We're going into part three of the honor key. I don't know if you've been here any other weeks, but I think God's done some incredible things in our church just talking about this key called honor. Now, I'm going to go through a little bit of a recap through the first two weeks. So week one, we talked about the honor key, which means we talked about unlocking the unlimited, unlocking an unlimited God. God is unlimited, but sometimes we don't see the limitless God working in our limited lives. And we talked about that a little bit. We had to start from step one. What is honor? And we saw that honor means this. Biblically, it means value, worth, a weightiness, like a glory weightiness, and I love this, a fixed value. Uh, you, you may have been in math or algebra, maybe now if you're a college student, maybe, maybe years ago, but do you ever remember like they have those fixed values or fixed numbers and stuff like that? I'm not going to reference this the right way, but all I can think about is like, okay, let's take the number five, right? You, you, you got the number five. How many know, even if you hate math, num the number five is not changing, the five is going to be a five. Whether you, 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 you pray against that five, whether you get offended at that five, whether you wish it will against the five, the five is going to be a five. Why? It's a fixed value. It just is what it is. That's the value. It's a five. That's what it is. I feel like this is how we are called to live as believers. I'm a son and I'm a daughter. I, I, I'm a fixed value person. I'm not a person looking for value, searching for value, or needing significance from any other system in this world. I have found my significance in Christ. I am a fixed value believer because my foundation is in Jesus. That's my that's my significance. And this is now where what fixed value means. And when God honors us, which he did through his son Jesus, we live with a fixed value on our lives. And, and just to kind of take it one step further, we went to Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. First Samuel 2.30, those who honor me, this is God talking, I will honor. And I don't know about you, but man, I want the hand of honor of God placing his hand of honor on our lives because things will happen that previously were not happening. But at the same time, dishonor can creep in. And this is what dishonor means. From a biblical standpoint, dishonor means to treat common or ordinary. Now that sometimes is shocking. That to me is all the time shocking because I thought dishonor would mean to like demean, devalue, talk negatively, think badly against. But dishonor actually means when you treat people or even the presence of God common or just average. Like it, it, this is why it's so dangerous to become numb to church and numb to the presence of God is because we'll start to treat the very things of God as if they don't matter anymore. And they're just average. And then if, if Christ died for everybody in here, then we don't get to decide how to give honor. If Christ gave everybody his life, we give everybody our honor. We give everybody. And this is what it's saying. Now, I'm not going to treat people common because you're uncommon. You have a calling. You're not, you're not, you're extraordinary. That's who you are. And sometimes you got to say that about yourself. Every, every morning you should wake up, you'd be like, you're uncommon. You're extraordinary. You're awesome. And then my wife walks in and be like, what are you doing? I, I you know, I don't know. <laughs> but this, it's just maybe something good for you to do because I feel like we have such a, like, like our, our society has such low self-esteem nowadays. Like we're struggling right now, but what if God wants to break that entire chain off your life of not being insecure or depressed or thinking lowly of yourself because you got to realize Jesus honored you by giving his life 
And now we have the free life. So don't walk in dishonor. And then last week we went into uh, kind of how to unlock inner healing through honor. I said this statement that your wound may not be your fault, but your healing is your responsibility. And it leads us to this point now. And we worked, it was an incredible week of healing and everything, but it leads us all to today. And I'm excited about today. This doesn't mean this is the finale by any means. We're gonna keep going because I believe God's speaking some incredible things. But we're gonna go to Mark 6, one through six. Does anybody love the word of God in the building today? Mark 6, one through six. He says this, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When this Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him, they were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Now, they're amazed. To some extent, they're speechless. They cannot believe that this little Jesus they knew. They saw him grow up. They saw four-year-old Jesus. They saw seven-year-old Jesus. They saw 12-year-old Jesus, you know, the tween age where I would love to see 11-year-old Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would just love to see how he conducted his life. It's probably really awesome. But like, that's, that's I, they, saw, they saw him grow up. But now all of a sudden he turns back, goes back to his own hometown, then starts to teaching and he's like out of this world. He's like blowing people's minds, dropping revelation bombs, all that kind of stuff. Just make it, he's, and he's the greatest teacher to ever walk the planet. There is no greater than Jesus. And here he is face to face. And in the very next breath, he's amazing. He's awesome. Look, how I'm gonna follow him on Instagram. This is really cool. I need to follow his ministry. I'm gonna, I need to seed into his, whatever. all good. But in the very next breath, it's really interesting because I think the very next sentence reveals the real heart. It says, wait, whoa, whoa. Okay, those are some pretty remarkable miracles, but isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And his sisters? Aren't those his sisters too? And they took offense at him. It's amazing how quick dishonor takes over. That it's only one decision away. But here's what I've realized. If you're living in dishonor, it's always an option. It's always an option to talk negatively about somebody else. It's always an option to not walk in the call of God. It's always an option to push away godly and embrace worldly. It's always an option when you walk. And here's the thing. They started, look, it looked like honor, right? Where'd he learn these things? Great miracles. But I've realized that that's just lip service. That sometimes we have a cover-up called lip service, that some, some of us are such good talkers, we could talk ourselves out of anything so nobody will ever really know what we really are, who we, what we really think, what we're really going through because we can talk ourselves. We have Christianese down. I am blessed and highly favored. No, you are crushed and highly struggling. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but we don't want to admit it because we just want to, we want a handshake and a hug and we want to get out of here and go get some tacos. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> But what if we got honest with ourselves and realized that we need to admit this, this dishonor piece in our life. And if this is something we really struggle with, let's talk about it. And the very end, because that's just not it. Not, not that they just dishonor, but here's what Jesus said. Because Jesus even noticed it. He didn't even notice. He also felt it. Because dishonor sets an atmosphere. 
That's a culture. It's a climate. You can, you can sense it. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives in his own home. He could not, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. There's a lot of things I want Jesus to be amazed over my life about. Lack of faith is not one of them. <laughs> be like, Jesus, I'm really shocking you here in the wrong way, in the worst way possible. But I believe Jesus wants to turn our honor on and realize there's another key to walking in honor that will unlock something that maybe you've been praying for, believing for, asking for for years and haven't seen it. I believe today that you're gonna see an answer to, the, to your life, to your world, to even maybe some things that you've been praying about that maybe you've never seen before. So I'm gonna talk for the next few moments on unlock the miraculous. Unlock the miraculous. Jesus, be with us today. We love you so much. I pray you speak to your people. You're awesome. And everybody said amen. Amen, amen. Did, did you realize that you either stand on one side of the fence of honor or dishonor? It, it's, it's not like... You're this hybrid of both. Like sometimes you're just all honor. Sometimes you're all dishonor. If that's the case, you still have dishonor prevalent inside of you. It's, it's still relevant. It's still there. And I've realized that you either deliver honor or you distribute dishonor. You either are a carrier of honor. That everywhere you go, you're like a delivery system. You deliver what you have. And you either deliver honor or you're a distributor. You give people dishonor. Now that we know that we can't stand on one side of the fence, that we're one or the other, because I've realized you're like, no, I promise I'm an honorable person. But if it only takes one thing to not go your way for you to walk in dishonor, then I don't know if you are fully equipped in honor yet. You may be on a journey. I don't think we're all perfect. I don't think we're all gonna just arrive one day, but I do know we need to start taking some steps away so that dishonor isn't the first decision we make when we meet destruction. I just felt like saying D's all the way through that, so... <laughs> I don't want to just choose dishonor because it's convenient because dishonor will always be more convenient than honor it'll always be easier also than honor and now we're living in this 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 tug of war but I don't want you to live in a tug of war I just want you to, I'm honorable I may struggle sometimes I may not get it but I'm this is who I am this is how I'm gonna walk now that we know that we're either we're either giving honor or we're either giving dishonor I want to also tell you this, that honor has a reward and dishonor has a consequence. There is a reward attached to people that live in honor. At the same time, there's also a consequence. Now, I, I know that's bad news as far as the consequence side because, because we don't like to have any consequences to our actions. We just want to have the life that we have. We want to have the grace of Jesus cover it up and let's move on. And he's got me. He's going to redeem me. He works all things together for the good. I know, but at some point you have to stop developing your testimony and just start saying, this is who I am. I, I, I don't need to stop going back so God can keep detouring me and recalculating. Like, you don't need to hear him say recalculating anymore in your life. 
You just need them to keep saying which way to turn and where to go. And when you walk in dishonor, there is a consequence that comes with it because you can't live any way you want. It's just like me, you know, I, I don't know if my trainer's still here today. He was here this morning, but every time I see him, I get nervous. <laughs> Promise I didn't eat cake last night, but I did. You know, I was like, but every time we're going on a trip this week, because I know uh, spring break's coming up, so I'm taking the family, we're going to San Diego for a week, and then we'll be back by next Sunday, and, and I'm, I'm going back, and I had to tell them, I said, hey, um, by the way, uh, yeah, uh, I'm not going to be able to work out this week. Here's what my trainer does, he's awesome, Jeremy. Jeremy's like, hey, well, can you take a picture of the gym, and can you send it to me, and I'll give you some, some things to do. No, I'm not gonna do that. I'm, like, I'm, a, I'm gonna be on the beach. Are you? Are you? What you talking about? Like I'm a, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be eating cupcakes. All I want, I just want, I just won't post them online because you watch me. You're scary. And um, but this is true because because when we when I skip a work, but I've realized this when I go back, like the following week when I go back, there's a consequence. Because that first workout coming back from no workout is so hard. I feel like I'm going to die. I'm like, just stop it. You're going to end my life right now. I'm, I'm coming home, Jesus. You know, it's like, but it's difficult. Why? It's not difficult because I don't know how to do the motions or push a bar up. It's difficult because of my inactivity in that area. And I think that becomes me and you sometimes that we have an inactivity in the obedience or the honor of God, but yet we want the results of God. I know, I know, I know you want a gym membership, but a gym membership doesn't get you in shape. It's, it's not, it's not having a membership to a church. It's not being an attendee. It's not coming to a building that gets you spiritual or honorable. It's walking with God day in, day out, saying yes to God when it doesn't feel good. And he starts to shape you and mold you. But when you walk in dishonor and when you have inactivity in your honor, yes, it's not just your honor as inactivity. What happens is dishonor becomes the main part of your life because you're not working, you're not functioning in honor. So now, but here's what's beautiful about honor. Those who choose the honorable life, those who choose to give honor and to honor God and to spend time with God and to give love out to those people, Something happens because there's a reward attached to the honorable lifestyle. There's something that'll come and it'll be doors that you pray for years to open. And what happens is you realize there's no lip service that opens some of the doors in your life. It's only how you walk. There's some doors that you can pray open. There's some doors you have to walk open. There's some doors that your life unlocks. And I think we don't understand this fully because we want our prayer life to take care of our sin life and our shame life and our dishonorable life. And we want it to override. But the truth is, is that God's good enough to obviously kind of weave through a lot of things and our weirdness and the web that we create. And he says, look, hey, son, hey, dog, I, I, I really need you to live different now. I know you keep coming back to me with a broken heart, but stop going back to them. You know, there's some point where change has to take place. Has, thank you. Has to happen. I'm trying. I'm trying to help them. <laughs> and if we don't change, some things won't open. I, like, like, I wish I could, I could say, Please just 
go be you and, and do you. And God will, will just do him and things will be great. But at the end of the day, it, it's not. It's not just go do you. It's go do God. It's what it is. Go be obedient. That's the best thing. I know people are striving to be seen and successful. People are striving to be prominent in church and this and go be obedient. Because I think God is anointing and using the obedient over the gifted. Because if you're obedient, he can trust you. If you're gifted, you're only there for a moment to sing us into his presence, but your character can't live to that level because you're not obedient, but God wants obedience today. And an honorable life is an obedient life. You can't get around it. That honor comes with reward, but dishonor comes with the consequences. If we could, if we could rewind our, 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 our journey here by generations and go back to where Jesus was teaching these people, they would say the same thing probably after the fact though. They'd be like, man, we really missed it because we probably wouldn't have dishonored him in the moment, but you did. And look what happened. They sit in there. Jesus comes back in from his world tour of preaching and teaching and miracles. I mean, he's healing everybody. Like anybody he comes across with, he's, he's touching, things are happening. It's a revival. So he says, you know what? I'm gonna go back to my own hometown where they saw me grow up because I feel like, I feel like my father, he's gonna set a revival up in my hometown. So he goes back. I'm sure Jesus is he's excited to head back and maybe see some old faces that he hasn't seen in a while. Oh, Timmy, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like he's looking at all of his old friends. Like, I didn't like you, but I love you. You know, like, because he has to. And, uh, so, church joke. And, and so then he goes back, teaches them. And these people are like, oh my gosh, that's mind-blowing. Never heard that before, but they're like for real. Like even if you look at it from commentaries and everything like that, they were like they were shocked. They were like, "Whoa, is that is that little Jay? We always knew." <clears throat> Yo, you would not, Mark. Get over here. You won't believe. You want this is insane. And and they're they're just they're like, where did he get this from? Where did he get, and they're at, here's what's funny. They're asking the right questions, which I thought was unique because oftentimes we get caught asking the wrong questions. But what happens when you ask the right questions in the wrong spirit? It's not the question that matters anymore because you'll answer your own question. Because if you answer, you could be asking the right questions about the church that you go to, but you're doing it in the wrong spirit. Because you're doing it in such a manner that you want the church to change according to how you see it. And if they don't, you're out. Is, is the pastor theologically correct? Right question. Wrong spirit is, I'm going to go talk about it, tell about it, be about all the things negatively about that church. And, I, and then you walk, because you can ask the right questions, but it's the spirit of dishonor that actually reveals a whole lot more. And so now, what I'm realizing is that they looked at, they looked at Jesus and they started to ask some questions like, you know, his family. Look at his, look, isn't this a carpenter? Isn't, this, isn't that Mary's son? And they begin to ask questions. And what I've realized in the moment is it's how they're perceiving him is the problem. 
And that I've realized today that we do the same thing, right? It's how we perceive. So I'll say it like this. You give honor where you perceive value. You give honor where you perceive value. They did not see value in Jesus. They saw it momentarily as he was teaching and healing people everywhere. But then they began to ask the questions. They began to demean him. Isn't this the carpenter? Which was, you know, what he did. And, and, and what they meant by that, because it wasn't just like, didn't he just build some tables? You know, like, no, he was more than that. What they were saying by like, isn't this the carpenter? Here's what they were saying. Because carpenters had little to no education. Isn't this the guy who has no education trying to teach us who do? Isn't that, isn't that Mary's son? Now, often, because some of you be like, well, well that's, not, that's not a bad question. Okay, let me challenge you then. Mary's, well, that was an awkward situation. Now, if you're from afar watching this whole thing play out, you're like, isn't that Mary's son? Oh, you, you were an illegitimate child. Oh, aren't you from a broken family? Because your mom and, mommy and daddy were married, huh? No, and this is how people can see it, right? Because they can always take it from their perception. Perception is not reality, but it is your reality. And you could get trapped in your own perception thinking that everybody should see it your way, but you'll get trapped in it because it's not that way at all. I don't want to be trapped in my perception. I want to be trapped in a vision from God. Like, God, what do you have for me? I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. That's how I roll. And so now they begin to demean him, devalue. And this is Jesus we're talking about. And if there was anybody that had any kind of, you know, because like if they had any kind of spiritual acumen in the moment, they would have been like, isn't this a carpenter? And I wish one guy would have been like, yeah, but you know what a carpenter does? He fixes stuff. But like, here's the problem. They only saw Jesus in his humanity. Jesus was fully human, fully divine. He was not 50-50. He was 200%. He was 100% human, 100% divinity, 100% God. Because God is not going to be, he, he's a Jesus. And this is, a, this is another, we've never seen anyone like Jesus and we'll never see anybody else like Jesus. This is the son of God in flesh. And they look at him, they only see humanity. And what they say is, isn't this a carpenter? Isn't that just the guy who builds tables and chairs? No education. I wish there was just one guy that raised his hand and be like, yeah. But if you look at it from a divinity side, from the God side, from a spiritual side, you would see that humanly speaking, he builds tables. Spiritually seeking, he builds hearts. He heals souls. So what you're missing is that we may be looking at the wrong side. And what I've realized is, is how you see God is how you receive from God. If he's your Lord, he may lead you. If he's your savior, you'll find the grace of God, he'll save you. But if he's not your healer yet, you're still hurt. How you see him is how you receive from him. They only saw him as little Jesus. He can teach some good stuff, but he's not gonna start a miracle. He's not gonna start a revival because he doesn't have that. They didn't see him as everything yet, but I don't wanna have anybody in this church look at Jesus and stop part of him. But only walk in the parts that you're comfortable with him. I need it all, Jesus. 
I need everything you got. Pour it out. Unlock it. Break it open. Break the jar. Tear the veil. Do whatever you got to do. I want it all. Pour it out, God. Pour it out. Shock me. Do things that I didn't even believe. Just... That's the kind of relationship I want to see. And they start, isn't this Mary's son? And you got to be so careful because we do this to people. Start looking through their past. And we'll dishonor somebody in the moment, even though they had something great to say. We'll dishonor them because they're below you somehow. And we start to judge people by what they're connected to. Oh, but you were, yeah, you were connected to Mary and these are your brothers and these are your sisters. Yeah, we know all those people, they're normal. If anything, they're weird. You ain't teaching us anything. I am so grateful that Jesus does not look at our past and let it hinder our future. That in fact, that he uses our past and wields it into a weapon for our present so that we can fight the enemy of today. As long as you're healed from your yesterday, you can fight the enemy that you're facing today. That you don't have to be the person that mom and dad was addicted to pain pills, drinking. You don't have to be that person because that's not the bloodline you work out of. There's a better DNA. There's a better blood transplant. And his name is Jesus. When he gave his blood, it now runs through your veins. Freedom runs through your veins. This is who we have become. And don't let people bring up your past. Just you take it as a reminder of how far you've come. But I'm okay. And Jesus is taking it from them. This is amazing because they don't perceive the value that's right in front of them. There's, there's Jesus. But here's what, here's what I found is that people see things differently. Like, like this Bible. You, you, you would say, this is, this is a normal Bible, right? It's black leather bound Bible. Yeah, cool. I'm not, I'm not this isn't a trick question. It's what it is. It's, it's a real Bible. This is the one I preach from. So, so, so what if I said in this room, who wants to give me $5,000 for this Bible right now? Man, I've been, I've been praying all morning. Somebody would take that offer. <laughs> Nobody. All right, all right, all right. All right. Let me, I'll be more reasonable. $10,000. Because maybe, maybe I offended you with such a low offer. So, so 10,000. All right, fine. 100 grand. Where are we at? Not the candy bar. 100,000. <laughs> $1 million. Where are you at? I know there's somebody in here. You're, you're thinking, I'm crazy. You're like, bro, I could go to Barnes and Nobles after this service. And I can buy a $45 Bible. And I don't have to spend thousands of dollars trying to buy this Bible. And I get it, it's special, it's a Bible, it's got the word of God in it, but at the end of the day, they're very accessible, especially in America, praise God for that. In other countries, we're trying to get them there. This is really cool though for us, because we could go down the street and it's very accessible to us. And so now you're thinking, I'm crazy for offering, what did you say, 10 grand? You even got up to 100,000, what, what are you thinking? Well, how many know, you may not see this Bible and its value the same way I see it. So you see it from one point of view, but I see it from another. And you gave it a certain value because here's what's funny. If you offered me 15 grand for it, I'm actually not going to take it. 20 grand probably, but, <laughs> but why? You're like, you're crazy. I'm not. I just know something you don't. And I see something you haven't. 
That's why. Because some of you are like, just wait, like, what is it? I don't know. What is, what's in there? I'm just trying, this is what perception does to us. This is why we struggle to see value. Because we put price tags on face value. We don't have to look into it. We don't have to talk to it. We don't have to know people's story before we ever say they're useless. We write people off before we even talk to them. Because we don't perceive value in them. But here's why that this is a priceless Bible to me. Yes, I preach from it, yes, but that's not why it's priceless. What's priceless about it is that when my first son was born, Beckham, put my middle name on him, so his name's Beckham Micah. And when he was born, this, my dad did this for me, and I wanted to do it for my kids as well. We put Beckham's feet in some ink, went to the book of Micah, and I put his footprints in this Bible. So I'm going to preach from this Bible for the next, how old is he? 13 years. Thank you. I was just at his birthday. Until he's 16 years old. And when he's 16 years old, he's going to unwrap a Bible with his footprints in it that daddy preached from his whole life. You know why? Because my dad did that for me. So now, the value of this cannot be seen surface level. The value comes from what it's marked with. And the only way to know what it's marked with is by looking inside. The value is never external. It's always internal. So when we live in honor, I don't honor you based on how you look, how you talk, where you came from, the color of your skin, your demographic. I honor you because God gave his life through his son Jesus to honor every person, to offer salvation. Come on, help me preach in here. And because God honored you, I honor you. You've been marked. You've been marked. That's now you live, now the problem is it's hard to, it's hard to honor marked people because you don't even know you're marked. That you've been marked by a love that's unexplainable. You've been marked by a grace that's undeserved. You've been marked by the hand of God. Now it's time to stop judging when to give people honor. You are honored highly just because Jesus said, I love you. I chose you. I've called you out. You're honored because you have the, the gift of salvation right here in front of you. That's honor. It's time to live it out, that we give honor where we perceive value, and it's time to perceive value everywhere we go. But you know what was so difficult with Jesus? It's, it's, it's not that they didn't just perceive what he was marked with, that he was just, because they did not see that he was God's son. Yeah, they did not see that. But I think they were just struggling in general because he was born into a social system and where he was born socially, as far as his family and his broken family, you get a fixed, in those days, you had a fixed value of what you were born into. So his value was fixed from day one. And this is not his decision. I'm talking about everybody else's perception about Jesus. It was, he was born in a marriage, out of wedlock. He, he was, he was, oh, he's a car, he has no education. So this is, he's poor, whatever it is, that's who he and that's how people saw him. What's so beautiful about this is that Jesus did not choose to live in the fixed value of a broken system. He's like, I know, I know you thought that I, I was born into that, 
but I live in a different kingdom. I live in a different world. I don't search for significance and compliments and words. I, I live in a heavenly realm where I know that God's marked me. I don't need anybody else to tell me I'm valuable. I don't need you to even see that I'm called. You don't have to notice my calling because I know that I'm called. God told me I'm called. So I'm walking loved and I'm walking filled with the grace of God because I don't walk according to what I was born into. I don't walk because my, va my value comes from a social system that's trying to get ahead of everybody else and try to be noticed. I'm, I, I don't live according to, I live in a consistent kingdom, which is every day I get to wake up in the same high level of significance that there is no price tag over my head because Jesus didn't pay a price tag. He paid his life for me. He paid his blood for me that I'm pretty special. So now, now you live that way then we wouldn't have to have a million sermons on, I promise you can do better. Go do good, please. No, you live honored. I am honored. Come on, someone just say that. I'm honored. God loves you so much, but there's gotta be a moment when you start to live in this key of honor. And start to unlock some things because then the whole thing turns. Israel, last few moments, you can come up. And play the keys. Make this really spiritual. So, uh, okay. <laughs> he comes back to his own hometown. And he's getting mocked, and a carpenter's son married this, that, and the other. Right. So then, Jesus speaks up. Why? Climate matters for miracles. It's a it's a straightforward statement, but it's. It's as true as the chair you're sitting in. Atmosphere and climate matter for the miraculous. I know you're believing for the miraculous, but are you preparing for it? Have you set the ground? Have you gotten your heart ready? Or do you just want God to override your, your dirt and do? But you have to set the court. You have to set. I, I remember back in the day when I'd play like a board game or something like that. They don't just stay in a box. You got to get them out. They would always tell me, get it out of the box, set it up. That we couldn't play the game until it was fully set up. I think that's the same way with God. We're asking God to play on his playing field, but we're not willing to set anything up that we have to set an atmosphere. We have to set a right heart. You cannot live in a bad spirit and have an open heaven of miracles. I know, I know you think, you, but you can't. It will be stopped up. And now this is what happens because the Jesus speaks up. He's like, look, guys, a prophet is without honor. Nowhere. Everywhere I went, there was miracles, signs, and wonders, and there was healings. Man, we, we saw people coming back to the heart of the fire everywhere. And then I came back to my own hometown. And y'all were without honor. Because familiarity will breed dishonor. What you're most familiar with, you become comfortable with. What you're comfortable with, you walk in very close dishonor. Because what you're most comfortable with, it's easy to talk about it. This is why, this is why people don't really... Like they get to a place where they talk about God's presence, like they like like it's nothing. I'm like, this is the king of the universe stopping to take some time with you, and it's nothing. 
it's become common. It's ordinary to you. Sure, it should be expected, but every time God enters a room, you should be so thankful. You should be so grateful. And here we are with our 10-point checklist of a church, and I don't know if this, that, and the other, and you're trying to get God to meet all of your criteria, and you're not living up to his. Stop telling God to live up to your standards. Start living to his. And watch. You'll be so thankful. But instead, he says, there's nothing. He said this. Crazy. Prophet was without honor. Except in his own hometown is where. He's like, there's this dishonor. This line, this line grabbed me. I'll be real with y'all. Like, it, it was hard to swallow. Because in Matthew's gospel, it said he would not do miracles which makes more sense. Mark's gospel says he could not do miracles except for lay his hands on a few people because he wanted to show that you made a mistake. I am who I said I am. I still love my people. But he could not do many miracles there. Could not. What a word change. Would not, I expect it. Could not which means it was the climate that disabled his miracles. That dishonor disables and honor enables. So think about this. He couldn't do it. The same hands that hung the stars couldn't do it. So you're telling me the same hands that crafted this universe we're locked up. What would it take to have the same hands that hung the moon perfectly in its place, not able to unleash a miracle? Dishonor locks the hands of God. He could not. Are you, that line. That line messed me up, if I'm honest. Because I know in Matthew, you're like, why Matthew, Mark, do you have to go back and forth? Here's what I do know. God wanted that in there. He wanted that line in there. So now, I, I, I know you're praying for miracles, but what if you're praying for miracles, but your life is causing God to do this? I, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm locked. Be like, can't God do anything? He can do anything. But it's your life that unlocks. But you're like, no, I felt it before. Well, at the end, didn't he go forcefully lay his hands on people? So, so you know what God does every once in a while, just to remind you that he loves you and he's for you? He'll just, he'll break off and be like, protect you. Hey, I'll bless you. And then he'll come back. And be like, and then you'll pray again and be like, I, it's, not me, it's you. I, and then it'll come back and then like five years later because you haven't felt it and you're at the end of your road and you made every wrong decision in the world, all of a sudden you hear God's voice and you feel his hand again and you're like, oh yeah. And then a miracle happens and you're like, yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, those moments aren't to secure you in your dishonor. They're actually there to break up your whole world and say you could have that on a daily basis. But around his hands 
are chains called your actions. I know we don't think our actions are that important, but dishonor disabled the hands of God. Can I preach this? Because there's people today, there are churches today, there are hearts today that have a locked up version of Jesus. You're saved, you're loved, but you're not living in any blessing. No abundance, no open doors, because what you're living in is a constant state that locks the hands of God. Yes, he loves you. Yes, he's for you and not against you. Yes, he's gonna, that's God. But at the end of the day, there is something that happens when you walk in honor. There's a key that it starts to unlock the chains so God's hands are now open over your life. And if you want to unlock the miraculous, if you want to see the impossible, if you want to see the limitless, you got to say, God, I'm coming back to your heart. Once and for all, I got to live the right way. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Because we can't lock the hands of God anymore. Look it up for yourself. Don't. I, I, I know that's a crazy word, right? If you're, if you're an analytical thinker, study it yourself. I am too, so we're in the same boat. Because I thought this was crazy. The locked. Jesus wants this for you. Oh, don't get me wrong. He, he wants this overflow of blessing and miraculous. Because a lot of us, will even raise our hands in a worshipful moment like at the beginning of church and we'll believe God for the miraculous. But with the same hands that we raise... Continue to do the very thing that locks his hands. And so maybe it's not about his hands, but yours. So now it's not about trying to get Jesus to do something that you want him to do as if he's a genie. It's time to say, you know what, Micah? You got some dishonor in some areas. Repent doesn't mean come back and then go back. Repent means turn and never go back. So when you repent, he begins to unlock his hands over you. Will it happen tomorrow? No. Maybe. It could. You're like, I, I lived honorable for 24 hours. Where's my... Here's what you learn about God. Even when it's unlocked, he chooses timing, but you choose consistency. I'm going to be consistent all the way through. I'm not, please don't walk out of here and be like, I'm going to live, I'm going to live faithfully for three days. And if it doesn't work, this isn't a get rich quick scheme where you uh, like a 10 step to freedom. It's, it, this isn't it. This is every day you got to wake up and God, I honor you. I vow you you. I give you worth in my life. I give you time in my schedule because in fact, I don't need to schedule you out. I need, you make, I need to make you the center of my schedule. And bring God back. I just feel the anointing of God all over this place on that word. That I think we're going to walk out of here and some chains are going to break over your hands 
because God doesn't have a problem with chains. Don't get me theologically wrong. He's like, oh, he's, see, he's chained up up there. It's more of a visual for you to say, oh, okay, I get it. His blessings are locked. His miracles are locked because you're walking unchanged. And from the day you got saved till now, analyze that. If there's no change, then you're just living in day one of salvation. And you can live in day one all the way to heaven. I actually know a lot of people that will just live in day one because it's the easiest way. I don't want to be a day one believer. I'm not saying that negatively for those that want to say yes to God this morning. I'm not saying that negatively for you. But I am saying when you get saved out of the world, you have to start looking like Christ. Don't stay looking like what he broke you out of. And he will begin to break open miracles, signs, wonders, unexplained opportunities, things that you never saw coming your way. Uh, open doors you didn't even pray for. God wants to shock you today if you just let him. Can you close your eyes across this place? Holy Spirit's all over this room. Father, I just thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts right now.